good morning. It is so good to be up here with you today. I'm just overjoyed. And he kind of stole my thunder there. Like, I was going to talk about the Cubs. I was a for sure clap, right? So uh, I'm not a real um, baseball fan, I guess you could say, which my dad, if he's, if he's listening right now, he's kind of twitching because he used to be a baseball coach. So, But yeah, go Cubs, go, right? Well, I want you to know that this is the service that my husband and I usually come to, this 9 a.m. service, and um, you are my people, okay? I get you here at 9 a.m., right? There are some of you that are just morning people, and um, you're cheerful and awake, like my husband, and they just love the morning. And other of you might be more like myself, that um, like to sit here without your kids and just enjoy the serenity and peace and quiet, and I get you, too. And some of you just really love the Lord, and we're just so excited that we're all here together, um, and all of that is good. So I want to share with you up front that while I've done this speaking thing before, it is not my regular gig, right? So I'm going to tell you, I do have a couple of fears right up front I'm going to share with you. And the first is kind of funny. Um, I'm afraid that my zipper might be down, right? I taught an entire class one time of nurses, eight-hour class, with my fly being open. And not one of them, not one of those lovely people told me or shared that with you, okay? So you being my church family, I expect you to help a sister out. And if the zipper is down, you would you'd throw me a sign, right? I got the long sweater on. I think we got that covered. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to share with you this morning is that um, you might be wondering, it's kind of hard to tell, right? If I stand sideways, you can maybe see that. Um, I am, in fact, expecting, my husband and I are expecting in April, we're expecting a girl. So if you know our family... If you know our family, you know that that makes three girls now. So if you want to take a moment and pray for him, it's okay. We would, we would appreciate that. I'm excited today. Guys, we get to jump into Romans 12 together, and I'm geeking out a little bit about Romans 12. Um, it is pack, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the Romans before he was going to come there. It was to, um, just to let them know that, he would, that he's going to be coming from the east, and it was to introduce his faith to them. And Paul explains in Romans 12 that when we are present with God and when we are present with each other, that we can love others well. He explains here that we have to stay with the Lord in order to go, to be sent out. We need to stay in order to go. I'm going to read Romans 12, 1, 3 from the message with you right now. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings out the best. He develops us, sorry, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to those, to you, out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important to you not to mis- misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. 
Father God, you are good and faithful. Thank you for being with us and being inside us, Lord. Thank you for readily speaking to us, Lord, and thank you for bringing out the best in us. Lord, we pray right now that you would stay present with us right in this moment, Father, and that we may hear from you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So did you catch that phrase, take your everyday ordinary life? As a stay-at-home mom, I can tell you about everyday ordinary life. When you're in the trenches of potty training, when you have goldfish stuck in every crevice of your car, (laughs) I know everyday ordinary life. And although yours may look different than mine, we all know about ordinary everyday life. And I feel like this passage is saying that in the midst of that ordinary, there is an extraordinary God. Josh has talked a lot about up here about kairos moments, those moments when God is speaking directly to us. When the creator of the universe is speaking to us and seeking for us to respond. Romans 12, 2, the NIV version says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So how do we do this? How do we transform our hearts by renewing our minds? God has been teaching me something about this over the last year or so. The first thing I feel like he's taught me is to abide. Earlier this summer, my girls and I um, were at my oldest daughter's preschool soccer game. Yep, that's a thing, preschool soccer. And my husband was out of town for work, and while I'm at this preschool, we were leaving the preschool, or we were leaving the soccer game, and we were getting in the car, and we were buckling up, and um, one of the girls, they were asking for something, so I was reaching in a bag, and any of you who have kids, you might know that like one-arm thing you do in the car, right? And distracted, um, well, I was distracted while I was driving, and I somehow jumped the curb, and I jumped the curb and ran right into a stop sign, and I didn't just run into it, I mean, I plowed it down, it, it was down. And if you, embar- if you witnessed this embarrassing um, incident, you would have saw me get out, check my front bumper, not too bad, and I proceeded to try to push and pull the stop sign back up. It was pretty embarrassing. The call to my husband, um, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, him being out of town for work, because he was in Hawaii. And I so want to put like air quotes around the, the word work, but he actually was working, so. Okay, whatever, he was working. The call went something like this. It was like, hi, babe. How is that tropical paradise that you're in right now? I want you to know I kind of bumped a stop sign. The kids are okay, the cars are okay, we're okay. Hope you're, I hope you're loving Hawaii. You deserve it, you're the best, okay, bye. Isn't it just like God to stop us in our tracks? We are seeking him, but we're distracted. Seeking what we think we need, and all we really need is to stay with him. You see, the days and weeks leading up to this incident were spiritually and emotionally bumpy for me. I I was preparing to speak at a women's retreat, and during this time, I would have these moments of unbelievable closeness with the Lord. I was in his word, and I was studying it, and I was listening to him, and I was writing things down, and I was praying. And these moments would only be followed by moments that would crush my spirit. A misunderstanding with my husband, 
confusing conversation with a friend, my girls testing my every last nerve. And then the worst, the enemy bringing sins from my past from the very forefront of my mind. Sin that I had confessed and repented of years before. Sins that I had laid down. Sins that I know I had been forgiven of. Sins that the enemy wanted me to believe disqualified me from my father's love. I loved how Darren's message last week talked about how God meets us right where we're at. The Lord is faithful. And at the exact moment I needed it, he sent a friend back into my life, a friend from 20 years ago. And I shared, what, I shared with her what I was wrestling with. And she told me, if the blood of Jesus doesn't cover everything, it covers nothing. See, with the Holy Spirit leading, I am leaning into walking into the freedom of this truth. Romans 8.1.3 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Through this, I have so clearly, almost audibly at times, been hearing the Lord say to me, stay with me. Stay with me. Release the fear and the shame and the distractions. He has given me this verse over and over again over the last year. John 15, 4. Remain and I Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Stop and stay with me. Remain, abide, dwell, rest, stay. Earlier, if you were to look in John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see, we have a connection to God the Father as the creator of all th- things through Jesus the vine. And in order to stay with or abide in him, we have to allow our unripe and rotten fruit to fall off of our branches. For me, that looks like letting go of the fear and the shame and the distractions. This is awful, painful, and hard to do, but the Lord promises us that through this pruning, we become even more fruitful. So staying with, abiding. The second thing the Lord has taught me to do through this time is to receive his grace. It is how our hearts and our minds are transformed. John 1.16 says, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, And again, the season of life for me, I hear the Lord saying, stay with me, invite me into your struggle. I have grace upon grace to pour over you. This concept of transformation of our our hearts through the renewing of our minds is so interconnected. In order to transform our hearts, we need to know the truth about who God says he is. He is creator and king, all-powerful and all-knowing, holy and loving and merciful, And we are who he says we are, a new creation, fully and wonderfully made, redeemed. You are more than a conqueror. In order to believe it, we have to receive his gift of grace. It is not enough to know about grace. You have to take it. You have to receive it. You see, I'm a typical type A personality, a bit of an overachiever. And until the last few years, I have felt this need to strive, to hustle, 
to prove my worth, to prove that I am worthy for a seat at the table. God's table doesn't work like that, does it? I thought that since my relationship with Jesus began that I had been fully accepting of his grace. But I've come to realize that there is a difference between knowing about grace and receiving it. Last spring, my oldest again, she was doing her preschool homework. That too is a thing. And she was drawing some flowers. And she being her mini-me, being my mini-me, she, she gets frustrated when she can't do something just right. And I usually get frustrated in the midst of her frustration. But this time, I, I leaned into where the Spirit was leading. And I scooped her up and I said, Sweet Pea, do you know what grace is? And she covered her ears and she said, Mama, I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to hear about grace. And it hit me over the head like a ton of bricks. This is what I do to my Lord. I tell him, I don't want to hear your grace. I don't want to hear it. I've got this. Because somewhere deep inside me, there's still that little girl who's striving and hustling and working for my worth. And I can hear him calling me saying, it is finished. My grace is sufficient for even you, especially you. See, the Lord promises us that when he is looked to first, he will transform our heart and renew our minds. He is waiting to give us a more meaningful and wild, crazy purpose than we could ever dream or hope to accomplish through our own doing. Ephesians 3.21, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit gently and deeply within us. That's not all he does. He doesn't only allow us, he doesn't only abide in us so that we can abide in him. He doesn't just give us this free gift of grace, but he also gives us these amazing gifts. And that's the next part of Romans. Romans 12, four through eight, the message. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger, a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all those excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Hmm. If you're put in charge, don't mani manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in stress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated or depressed. Keep a smile on your face. Sometimes I love the message version of scripture, and sometimes it's just a little too clear to me. I mean, I read this and I'm like, Paul, really? Part of the role of being a mom is being boss, bossy-ish, right? <laughs> My oldest says when she grows up, she wants to be a doctor, and she also wants, so she wants to be a doctor to help heal people, but she also wants to be a mommy so she can boss people around. <laughs> Here's what stands out to me in this message. 
So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we are not. Do you do this? Do you ever compare yourself to others? Do you look past the gifts and talents that you've been given and long for what he's been given or what she's been given? Do you want to sing up here like the Pelso band can? I do. I can't. I can't even clap on beat. <laughs> can I get really real with you and take this one step deeper? Do you ever look around a crowded room, even while you're sitting next to your significant other or your good friend, and you feel alone? Like everybody has a gift but you, and they're all out using their gifts together without you? I want to confess to you that my mind feeds into those lies more than I would like to admit. And in fact, just last week, I had a bit of a moment. It could have been the pregnancy hormones, but it also could have been the enemy trying to distract me. Last week's message spoke to my core. Darren's Darren's message of God meeting us where we're at and Meryl's courage and authenticity and faith. I could tangibly feel the Lord's presence in this room felt so close to him, and I know many of you did too. And then as I left the building, the lies began. It was as if it was an internal battle starting to wage within me. The lies that run deep, you know, you might have some of them. You know, way back, the, the ones that run deep from like middle school, the lies of you are alone in what you're feeling. God is not near to you. You're not good enough, and you're definitely not good enough to get up and speak on my behalf. You do not fit in, and you never will. I tried to pray, but my mind, it would not settle. See, sometimes abiding is absolutely being in the word and reading his truth over and over again. And sometimes it looks like praying and talking to him. It absolutely is that too. And sometimes it is talking to the one who speaks truth into your life. So I called my person, my sister, and she's a kindergarten teacher, and so that just automatically means that she's an angel here on on earth to deal with the kindergartners. She's wise. She's my person, and she reminded me that I have not been set aside, but that I have been set apart, as we all have. Can I tell you the irony of preparing a message to having our hearts transformed by the renewing of our minds, by abiding in Christ, and accepting his grace, and walking in our own gifts? Can I tell you the irony of that when I'm feeling these things? You see, the enemy was trying, but God is faithful, and he is good. And maybe you can hear him calling you too, stay with me. Receive my grace upon grace. You have not been set apart or set aside, but you have been set apart. You are chosen, set apart to do the good works that God has created in advance for you to do. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Do you try to put on others' gifts and wear them around? They don't fit, do they? It's exhausting. It's exhausting because they're not our gifts. I love this quote by author and pastor Charles Swindle. 
When God's in it, it flows. When the flesh is in it, it's forced. If he is in it, it's remarkable how approval will be granted, how growing interest will percolate, and how the timing will fall right into place. It will come together almost in spite of you. Our worth and our identity doesn't come, our worth and identity comes from the creator of this universe, our Father, who dreamed us up and breathed us into life who thought there needed to be a you in this world, who gave you the exact personality and gifts and heart that he needed for his kingdom. You are a royal heir to that kingdom, a son and a daughter who has been saved by a king who has poured out everything for you. You are wholly loved, cherished, accepted, and wanted. And I wrestled if I should share that very personal story with you. But that same day that I talked to my sister, I had a dear friend come over who is in the midst of great pain and suffering and loss. And she shared a a story of, a similar story of not feeling good enough. And then see, the next day, I had another friend email me with a very similar story, not knowing of the experience that I had been going through. We are not alone. The enemy is not even creative enough. He's not even creative enough to create different lives for each of us. We are united in Jesus' love. Romans 12.5 says, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Abide in me and I in you. Receive my grace. Step into the gifts that I've given you and watch what I can do through you and my church. I love it when I see... um, People use their gifts together, and I'm going to brag a little bit about the men in my out in, in our outpost. And right now, they're helping um, a woman who's in the military, a brave woman in the military overseas, and they're going to her house on a weekly basis to help um, renovate her home. They don't hardly know her, but they have been abiding in Christ, and they have been following His call, and so they are going to help her. And it's just like our team right now, who's in Mexico, or maybe they're back now. I'm not sure, but who are there? Who are um, who are abiding in Christ and using their gifts for his purpose as one body. There is so much freedom walking in that truth that we are freely and abundantly loved. It is from that lavish love that we are able to love others well and use our gifts together for one purpose. So that brings me to the last nugget of truth here in Romans that I, that I just love. When we, our, our minds can be transformed Our hearts can be transformed by the renewing of our minds when we abide in him and when we accept his grace and we walk in the gifts that we've been given. And the last part of Romans 12, 9, to me, it just speaks of to love anyway. Romans 12, 9, 21 says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run from dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive and in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share their tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. 
I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. About two years ago, I was on my way to church here at Mercy Road. It was in our previous building. And my friend, she was heavy on my heart. And I hadn't heard from her from a while, which usually means she's spiraling down into a dark depression. And I texted her and I asked her if she wanted to go to church with me that morning. Honestly, I didn't want to reach out to her. I had kind of a bad attitude. I felt like she had made a bad decision and it really hurt me. But that holy nudge to reach out to her, it was so strong that I couldn't ignore it. So I texted her and I didn't hear back from her and I went on to church. And while I was sitting in my seat, all of a sudden, her name, her last name appeared way big on the screen, big up there on the screen. Josh was talking about some city in the Old Testament. And he said that that city meant in Greek, empty or close to nothing. And you guys, I don't always get big signs like that from God. In fact, that may have been the big, big, big one first, but I couldn't ignore it. I mean, her name was up there. She was empty. She was close to nothing. And so right after that service, I drove to her house and she opened the door and tears streaming down her face. She shared with me about how she had made peace that night about leaving this world. And she had made a plan of how she was going to do that. I just hear him saying, stay with me. I will give you grace upon grace. And I prayed and we prayed and prayed with her. And we called her doctors and we got her the help that she needed. And though she still battles with depression and anxiety, she is leaning into how the Lord made her and created her to be. And she's following her call, going back to school to do this. The Lord is so patient with me when I think my ways are better or when I am bitter. I don't know what would have happened that day had I not seen her name up there. And I don't believe that God only speaks to us in a church. I think that's just how he spoke to me that day. But you see, I like to be right. Do you guys like to be right? I mean, who doesn't like to be right? My husband, he can tell you how right I like to be. (laughs) And I am. I am always right. But God is teaching me to love anyway. He is saying to me that I didn't call you to be right. I called you to love my people. And especially the people I placed in your life, those people of peace. And that phrase, love anyway, it comes from a Christian organization called the Preemptive Love Coalition. It's an organization that is in Iraq, and they've been there for, about, for over 10 years. And it is an amazing, their story is an amazing story, and I don't have time to go into all the details of it, but it is a God story, a miraculous story of how they're there and they get to do the things that they do to love on people there. It started out as a um, medical non-for-profit there to help the kids there in Iraq, and when ISIS came and invaded Iraq, the Preemptive Love Coalition stayed. While others were leaving, while other organizations were leaving, they stayed. They loved anyway. And they are there today, loving and helping kids and girls who've been trafficked. Their creed of loving anyway, it embodies Romans 
twelve seventeen of do not repay anyone evil for evil. I'm a strong believer in healthy boundaries, and I don't think that this is saying to ignore abusive situations, but I do think this is saying, when appropriate, seek to understand the other person first, and when offended or hurt, not to seek revenge, but rather let the Lord do what is his to do and avenge, that it is his job and ours is to love anyway, even when it's difficult. And he's teaching me that and pruning that in me. In light of this election season, how does that resonate with you? Is that hard to swallow? I know it is for me. And it all boils down to allowing the transformation of our heart by the renewing of our minds, abiding in the one who gives life and believing he abides in us, receiving the fullness of his grace upon grace that gives us the freedom to recognize our own God, our own God-given gifts, and use them together as one body, one church, united in Christ. It is that which allows us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, as Paul writes in Romans 12, 2. It allows us to do this even when our world looks terrifying and dark. It allows us not to only pray for our candidate, but to also pray for God's will, whatever that looks like. I recently heard an author um, talk about, or he said, November 8th was going to come and go, election day. But that is, it is November 9th that we need to be ready for as Christians, that we need to pray about. See, half or more of the people in this country, they're going to be devastated after a long and tumultuous election season. What would it look like if the church crossed party lines and came alongside people with the posture of not wanting to be right, but instead exuding the love of Jesus that says, I am for you. May they know us, might they know us by our love. Okay, you guys, I'm going to wake you up here. I know, I know. You're dozing here, right? So I'm a bit of a rule breaker. And we're going to try something a little bit different now. Don't tell Josh. Is he floating around here? He's here. Okay. He he heard that. No, he knows. (laughs) This might be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, And I know some of you are probably wishing that you had slept in right now. But listen, this is going to be powerful and good. And also, you can't say no to a pregnant woman, Okay. So we're going to practice this posture of coming together united in Christ as a church. We're going to take about three minutes to do this. Um, And we're going to pray for our country and the upcoming election. And I want to encourage you to do this together. I'm praying out loud. And so what this might look like, I know it's uncomfortable and I'm going to make you move here. If you're comfortable with it, I'm going to have you um, get up and hold hands. And if you don't want to hold hands, that's okay. You don't have to. You can, you know... Do this arm thing or shoulder thing. And I want you to pray together about our country and about our election. And if this totally freaks you out, I get you. That's kind of me sometimes too. Um, It's okay to pray silently in your seat. That is good and pleasing to God as well. For some of you, that might mean getting on your knees or lifting your hands up. But what I want to encourage you to do, that again, that we are uniting as one to pray together. And this is not a time to pray for your specific candidate or party, but rather we're going to pray for our country and for God's will. So we're going to put some scripture up here on the screen, and you could use that to guide your words here, okay? So we have, just have a few minutes to do that now. So if you want to go ahead and go ahead, and we're going to do that. Thank you.
What's that? Thank you guys for doing that. Um, I know that might not have been your normal Sunday routine, right? So we just want to thank you for doing that. And I'm going to close us out here in prayer. I just want to, again, thank you for the privilege of being with you today. And it was really good. Thank you. Father God, you are faithful, good. Lord, thank you for abiding in us, Lord, as we abide in you, Lord. Thank you for giving us your grace upon grace, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Father. Help us walk into the gifts that you've given us and not to compare, Father. Lord, help us to love anyway, especially during this election season, Father. We pray, we pray over our country, Lord. We pray that we are the light in the darkness, Father. And I just want to pray right now, specifically, that anybody who might have felt moved today, who might be struggling with some of the things that I struggled with, abiding, laying down fear and and guilt and shame and distractions, Lord. I just pray your favor over them right now, Lord. I pray that you would draw them close to know that they are not alone, Lord. Lord, we know that there is power in your name and we proclaim it today, Lord. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.